Hey babies, you know what time it is? That's right babies, it's time for living large and hard. Skilly bop, skilly poop, skilly diddly diddly bop. Hi, welcome to Living Large and Hard. Uh, this is Tales from the Hood. This is part three. And this one is going to be loosely based on drugs. Believe it or not, there are drugs in cities. First part was me talking about fights I'd seen, things like that. Second part was explosions and fires, things like that. I was down there about 16 and a half years. I really liked it. I liked the diversity. I liked having a neighborhood. I liked how we helped each other out, blizzards, things like that. Uh, if we needed tools, that kind of stuff, I could walk outside, sit on the stoop, say hi to people. People drive by honk, say hello. People drive by honk, flip me off. Yeah, those are the people that knew me. So anyway, this is going to be about various uh, drug things I'd seen. And I spent a lot of time working on my yard. Part of it was pride in owning the only real yard anywhere near my house in the neighborhood because it was row homes. And so I was out there doing a lot of that. I, got, I would get a lot of compliments on it. And so I, I just enjoyed being out there. Plus I got to watch stuff and it looked like I wasn't watching stuff because I was working on the yard. I remember one time I was out raking and this gigantic gentleman who looked less than happy, I'd say. There was this little iron fence, probably original to the house, built in the 1870s, the house was. Little iron fence at the front of the yard. And I was raking away on the in the yard and he walked by and turned and looked at me, and I was up near the fence, and I gripped the rake to use it like a bow staff. Not that I know, I just saw Napoleon Dynamite, so I, I came up with that. And um, he said, hey man. And I went, yes. And I was, you know, ready. And he said, like what you're doing with the yard. And I went, oh, thank you. And I thought, man, I am one kind of fucking asshole. Judging people negatively, it was just, and that was about that was about the last time that I did it, um, because why would you? You know, it's just stupid to do that kind of shit. Anyway, I was out working on the yard, and I see this guy come staggering out of the alley across the street. There was a school, and that kind of made the alley from where it was near my house had to jog over as you're going past my house with my house on the right, and you go jog to the left, and then go up. He came down towards my house and they crossed the street and he was staggering and it was midday and I thought, no, the guy's drunk. Um, almost got hit by a car and then he almost walked into a car and I noticed that he had his works in his hand. He had his needle and uh, he had a, a gauze pad. So he was on the nod, but he was also on the go. That guy wasn't about to stop just because he was... Uh, high as fuck so he went by and then i i called 9-11 said need an ambulance and cop whatever both because that's what ended up coming um because there's a guy walking around high as hell with his works in his hand 
and they asked which way it went, and I watched for a while, but by the time they got the cop to coordinate with the ambulance, uh, he was he was pretty much gone. But I saw them, because I was out working on the hedge, and I saw the ambulance and the cop, and I said, well, last time I saw him, he went down that way. So that's not something you see most of the time. At least most of the places I, well, all the places I've lived but one. That's the only place I saw that. I've seen people on the nod. There's this guy, Heckle, that I worked with because I called him the thieving magpie because all he would do is beg for things and, you know, help himself to things. And uh, he liked things like that. He liked the, the sleepy, sleepy stuff, smack and, and pills. And we worked together, and he was making turkey burgers one day. And while he was standing there forming the turkey burgers, the patties with his, his little heckle hands, uh, he was he was nodding off. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <sighs> so anyway, that's the only time I, like I said, I've seen people on the nod. Actually, you see him around. I've been in New York enough. You see him there too. But that's the first time I've seen someone on the nod, on the move. And with his works. Now there was a uh, Allentown police officer that I knew. And if you heard the story about the guy with the machete getting shot, that was he was part of that. But I'm guessing he also had some other kind of recreational activity because he was at the friendly neighborhood gay bar around the corner, and he got riled up. And I'm guessing it was beyond just drinking. He told people that he was a police officer and then he was going to shoot them. And he was calling them the N-word. And he went on a porch and he pushed an air conditioning unit in and he broke a window in a car. Usually you don't do that when you're just drunk. Just saying. So I'm guessing that was some kind of drug problem. Um, there was another time at, at the house, the mini mansion I was looking out. And I saw this guy, and if you're familiar with the, the dance, the worm, where you put your arms at your side, and then you rock up and down in a worm-like motion to propel yourself, this guy was doing the worm, like, world championship version of the worm. Because I could see him actually popping over my hedge from inside the, uh, the bar on the side of my house. No, not a commercial bar, it was a private bar. A lot of you have been there. And... I went, wow, this guy's fucking, that's awesome. That is a commitment to doing the worm that I have not, not seen. It was like he's doing a low hurdle race while I was doing the worm. And then I saw a young woman with her phone taking a picture, taking a video. I won't say filming because there is no film in a phone. Um... So I went, oh, this, they're just doing a bit. And then I saw more people, and I realized he wasn't worming no more. He was out of sight. So I went outside to see what was up, and he was laying on his side with his hands, like, bent really uncomfortably backwards. And uh, I went inside, and as I taught you earlier, you never call 911 from the... Uh, from outside. Actually, on this one, I did not go back inside because I said, anyone call 911? They said, yes. Um, he was laying with his shoulder jammed against the curb 
for you, you folks familiar with the Three Stooges, if you remember Curly would get on his side and go and spin around, it's kind of like that. Only his shoulder was jammed into the curb and his hands were bent back in a horrifically uncomfortable looking angle. And uh, people are saying they said not to touch him. And I went, well, you know, I really don't want to hear someone break their own shoulder against the curb. So uh, liberated him from that. And uh, you could see where the guy had sat on the stoop on the corner. And then <laughs> I guess when it really kicked in, he got up and went from the stoop to the corner and then started doing the worm. But you could see where he pissed himself the whole way. So you know, I, broke the, I broke the crime scene down like that. And uh, in his pocket was the, what was left of the, of the K2 joint. So um, ambulance shows up with the police and they put the guy in the gurney. And right when he comes through, there's a cop in his face and say, hey man, how you doing? And I guess at that point, coming to on a gurney on a corner where you probably don't know where the fuck you are and there's a cop in your face, he probably wasn't doing that good. Just thinking uh, that's the way it is. That's the way it was, I guess. Is, is Sorry, I just hit the table. Is the proper way to put it. Um, at the end, there was a house next door that was also freestanding. It, it was a 90-degree angle to mine. No, I guess it was the same as mine, now that I think of it. It was across the yard, across the alley. And they were slinging drugs there. It was real obvious. The woman that the woman that owned the, that rented it on the second floor, her name was Robin. So on the floor, first floor was the lady with the creepy dolls that you heard about in uh, part one. So Robin was running this, even though she said she had nothing to do with it, that was her cousin's. I don't know what they was doing. Okay, Robin. But people would come all day, all night. Robin, Robin. I'm like, man, I gotta buy this bitch a goddamn doorbell. Um, so she said she had nothing to do with it. Uh, there was two young dudes, and there was a woman with a kid. And uh, it was right at the end of Law and Order. That part where it goes, dum dum, it went, dum dum, and then you heard, boom boom. Nobody fucking moves the police. And whew, I think I got to the window to look out without even touching the floor. There were regular cop cars. There were smooth tops. There were, there was a ladder van, two ladder vans, guys dressed in painter stuff, which is like the perfect undercover thing when you think about it, because those things are everywhere. Um, there was guys in the windbreaker saying Lehigh Valley Drug Task Force. There was the woman at that very quick point, right at, right at the beginning, she was outside handcuffed on the ground, which I like because she was always a bitch. She was just, like I said, I like the neighborhood, but she was a bitch. Never would say hello, look look with disdain, you know. Um, so I was happy to see her cuffed up there. The guy came down with the battering ram and all the all the gear on, all the, all the ballistic gear. There were guys with AR-15s. They came, they had spotlights looking all over the place. They were had um, ladders looking out back. It was, oh, so fucking great. So fun, so fun. So, and what these people do, it was pretty obvious they were dealing drugs. First of all, there's the, you know, 4 a.m. Robin. And then this 
guy would show up on a regular basis with a shopping cart full of junk. And you'd just see the guy, the, the dealer would look in there and go, mm, no, no. He'd hold up a couple of DVDs, eh, give me that. And, you know, like half half a pair of tennis shoes. Eh. So, you know, sling, doing that stuff, they'd go down the alley, which means it was right at the side of my gigantic house. And they would go down the side of their house in the alley and make the exchange. You know, here's the drugs, here's the money. Like, like my house, like I didn't exist, like my house didn't exist. Stupid. Fucking stupid. So, I wasn't surprised that happened. And uh, that, that it happened. <laughs> so, Robin brings in a fresh crew. And uh, I missed that one. I can't remember where I was. I was somewhere else. And I got back. And uh, the neighborhood was a buzz that there had been another drug bust there. And then uh, Robin, to make ends meet, apparently uh, turned to prostitution. She would, she, would, she would come over, do I look good? Oh, Robin, you look fantastic. You look absolutely fantastic. Can you zip up my dress? Oh, of course, Robin. Mm, sister, you look great. And um, one guy that was overheard was complaining about the price of his blowjob. He thought $50 was just too, too much. So there you have it. This is part three of uh, the Hood series. What the hell am I calling this? <laughs> I don't even know what I'm calling it. I just drew a blank there. Whatever. This is the third part. Um, and there's a fourth part coming. Of like just weird random stuff I saw down there. Oh, Tales from the Hood. Do I prepare for this, you ask? Well, there's your fucking answer right there. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm trying to say uh less and uh doesn't seem to be going very well at uh, this point. So thanks for listening. Appreciate any feedback. You can go to like Connie Whitebread does all the time. And Danny Boy has. And others have. You can go to the SoundCloud if you're listening there and, and do a comment. Mike or Max Marvin on Facebook. You can message me there. Living large and hard. Since I like that so much. That's my Instagram handle. You can DM me there. Also, shit for brains. X-I-T-F-E-R brains. Gmail. You can email me. So, I think you know the drill by now. If you don't, if you haven't been listening before this, man, you got a lot to catch up on. There's like 60-some episodes at this point, maybe 65. Um, oh, I had my first listener from Hanoi, Vietnam. They listened to uh, Dive Bar Love Poem. I have no idea what they thought it was. <laughs> they never came back, so that's interesting. Um... So here we are at the Skybox. This is in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Now, why that got me so excited, I stuttered. I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't tell you. So we're here in Allentown. We're in the Skybox. Up here, perched above the corner of the apartment complex, and we're high. Uh, we're high. God, we're high above 309. I don't know what's going on, folks. I think it's all this drug talk. I'm having some kind of flashback. Maybe a cumulative one. Uh, so, yeah, 309 is that traffic you always hear underneath. I just can't get rid of it, so now I embrace it. Um, and we'll listen to that on the way out. I'll turn that up so you can really savor it. But speaking of drugs, I used to find, uh, I found two crack pipes. I used to find the shake, some shake bags. Um, I would find the, the guts of blunts all the time. 
all the fucking time. And I would find the little packets, the little dime bags. And I thought, wouldn't it be an entertaining video art project to save all those dime bags for a year and then cut them all open, put them in some water, boil it up, drink it, and see what happens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I didn't do it. Uh, anyway, let's listen to some traffic, get out of here. Thanks for listening. And part four coming up of Tales from the Hood. See, now I even know what it is because my little, my little flashback, my little acid ecstasy, uh, booze. What else have I taken? Percocet, um, morphine. Uh, well, anyway, that's over. Now I'm back to normal, which ain't saying much. Bye. <laughs>